Hi, this is Adina, here with today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant, podcast show of Courage to be Curious. This entire year of 2020 is dedicated to exploring and asking productively curious questions. Honestly, there is no simpler or better tool to facilitate positive change in our lives, relationships, and in our workplaces than learning to ask and answer more productively curious questions. So let's dive right in to today's question and today's full episode. This week, our question doesn't come from our game-changing question decks, the live, lead, and love with courage to be curious. Instead, I draw our question from what is going on in our surrounding environment right now, which happens to be the coronavirus (laughs) and plummets in the stock market and all kinds of events going on that can make us feel like we're in the midst of some kind of sci-fi movie, except that it's real. And the question that it has led me to think about for today's podcast, and I wanted to be responsive in this in some way, is, you know, how do we approach life when the environment that surrounds us is filled with so much anxious energy? So how do we approach life when everything around us is filled with so much anxious energy? Because it is a question, in fact, that we all have to grapple with. It's just around us. You know, my child is home from college and not going back, and there's news reports coming out constantly, and all these efforts, which are responsible to try to contain the virus, but also have the impact of creating this sense of anxiety around us. And so how do we live in this space where there's so much anxious energy surrounding us? And so I wanted to take that question on today. Um, Hopefully it can be, you know, in a way that may be able to be helpful. And while I don't typically give any kinds of medical disclaimers at the start of my podcast, you know, certainly for people who struggle with um, anxiety or depression and are being particularly activated and typically seek out some kind of professional support for that, you know, continue to do that. Um, I think that, you know, that's obviously a good idea. But I wanted to also offer a little bit of guidance from my Courage to be Curious perspective, as well as some practices that we can work on maintaining in order to approach life in some kind of same way um, amidst all of this anxious energy around us. So one of the things that I talk with my clients about and that I practice in my own life is really thinking about in what ways can a little bit of anxious energy serve And in which ways does it not serve or does it interfere or create a harmful situation? And anxiety in and of itself, there's some amounts of it that are healthy because they get us to take some precautions. And for some people, those precautions involve washing hands more in this particular case, or it involves, you know, not choosing not to go into crowded places or or it involves choosing to buy certain things to have for their house or whatever those things are. So a little bit of activation of some stress energy in this situation is totally appropriate, makes sense, and can you know, incite us to take precautions that feel good, feel reasonable, and make us feel safer. Then there can be these overindulgence and anxious energy and perhaps anxious information. And what I mean by that is you know, continuing to watch news reports every single moment or continuing to talk about the topic again and again and again and letting it be the only thing that's surrounding us, which keeps us activated and keeps us in a space of highly anxious energy. And in that case, we need to ask ourselves, 
in this particular moment and in these ways and to this extent, is this energy helping and supporting me or is it getting in the way? Is it interfering? Is it causing more harm than good? And everyone will make the decision for that for themselves, but I want to offer that question as a grounding one, one that I think it's important and prudent for us to ask ourselves. And wherever we decide that line is, okay, I've allowed that bit of stress energy to propel me to take some cautionary actions that feel appropriate to me. You know, what do I do now? How do I live in this space when there is so much of this energy going on around me? And that's what I want to spend the remainder of the podcast talking about and offering some practices because not getting pulled into continuous states of stress and anxiety in situations like this is a discipline and it involves a discipline. I'm currently working, reading a book called The Yoga of Discipline, and it talks about discipline practices of how we live our lives and not allowing ourselves to be drawn in, not allowing ourselves to be carried away or made unduly or unnecessarily stressed requires a bit of discipline. And so these practices, I'm going to call them their disciplines that we can take on to approach life in somewhat of a sane fashion amidst you know, things that may be going on around us that don't feel quite so calming or sane. So practice number one, I want to go through my list of 10 here. Practice number one is I like to call the 100 blessings a day. There are a number of different traditions and religions, as I've come to understand and know, that have a practice or a teaching that talks about counting 100 blessings in a day. And even as things may be going on and feeling you know, stressful, the truth of the matter is, is an equal number, if not more, a greater number of blessings are going on around us all the time. Blessings from everything from you know, perhaps warmer weather or little plants starting to shoot up from the ground or kindnesses that are happening from one person to the next or you know, all manners of things. And then there's just the blessings that exist every day. The fact that like our hearts are beating and we don't have to do anything to make it happen and we're breathing or maybe we're going to have extra time with loved ones or maybe we're going to have opportunities for doing more things in our house that we've been wanting to do. Or maybe we're going to just have an opportunity to pause. So a hundred blessings every day. It's a discipline and an even greater extent of that discipline is even if we don't make the number a hundred, but to actually keep a running list going throughout the day of the good thoughts of the blessings that are going on. Because a blessing practice is a beautiful practice no matter what is going on in the world around us. A second practice that is related to the bread to the blessing practice is meditating on the amazing. And I love, people have different relationships with meditation. And so I don't want to make too big a deal about what that, you know, that there's a specific practice of meditation, but the idea of meditating on the amazing. And this can be the simple thing of walking outside and taking in a breath of fresh air and just pausing for those 10, 15 seconds and saying, wow, it is amazing. I'm walking outside, you know, I'm breathing in fresh air or again, noticing that flower that's shooting up, you know, seeing a child's face who in the midst of all of this, a child is still feeling playful or happy and you're noticing it, but you're taking time to pause and allowing the soaking in a kind of meditation or breathing in or pausing and lingering in the space of something that you allow to delight or amaze your soul. And so this is the second practice is meditating on the amazing. And can you find a couple of things a day to meditate on and breathe in? Third practice is 
there's something incredibly calming and stabilizing to people about having the people around them be present because we all scurry around so much. And particularly when we're feeling the stressful energy around us, it can make us all actually move faster, you know, like as if we're rushing to get somewhere or rushing to finish something or rushing to make something better, all of those kinds of things. And that state of rushing or checking our phone while talking or, you know, multitasking and things like that actually activates more stress for ourselves and for people around us. So one of the disciplines that we can incorporate is the discipline of being present when we're in the presence of others. So if you're talking to somebody on the phone, just try stopping and actually just talking to them. Or if you are sitting down for a meal, whether it's with friends or family, sitting and just having the meal and not trying to do multiple things at a time. If you're at work and you're stopping by to talk to somebody, of just doing that and not as though you're rushing, but really seeing what it would feel like to allow yourself to be completely present because the practice of being present is calming for ourselves and it's incredibly calming for the person with whom we are being present. The fourth practice I'd like to invite us to, it's a fourth discipline, is the discipline of smiling. Now, I'm not making this up, and I've talked about it before on this podcast, but it's worth reminding, is that the physical act of smiling, literally lifting up the, the parts and the facial muscles that cause us to grin, release chemicals that make us feel better. They release the feel-good chemicals inside of us. And so... When all of this is going around and we're much more inclined to be frowning or having worried looks on our faces, pushing ourselves to actually smile. Like if we're in a coffee shop, greeting the person who's taking our order with a smile, of passing by people in the office or walking into our office with a smile, or maybe just our spouse or not just, but our spouse or our children, or if we're seeing, and if we're seeing more family people, can we make a conscious effort to smile more? It's amazing to discover what a stress reliever smiling and even the next step forward of laughing is. Now, I'm not making up tons of studies and research on the calming calming properties of laughter and of smile. So that's practice number four. Practice number five has to do with the language that we use. And there's certain words that when we use them, they actually create more stress, create more stress and anxiety because they either pull us into a future time or they pull us into a past time. And as we've already talked about, we feel best, we feel most relaxed actually when we're in the present moment, which is why being present with people is so helpful. So there are certain words that we can try eliminating eliminating from our vocabulary or reducing in our vocabulary that take us into these other time zones or diminish the good. The first one, many people have heard me talk about it a lot, is the word but. Oh, well, my daughter's doing great, but. Or, oh, yeah, we're doing fine, but. Oh, yeah, well, this project is going okay, but. As soon as we interject the but, it takes whatever the good thing was suddenly dismisses or eliminates virtually all the good qualities of it and just brings in the thing that has some concern attached to it. And it is amazing to see what happens when we trade that but for either just finishing the sentence, yeah, they're really great with this project, they're going well, and we name the things that are going well. Another alternative is to substitute the but with the word and. Things are growing great, these are the things going great, and these are the things we're continuing to work on. In that case, there's no diminishment of the positive. 
you really pause, if you actually identify people in your life who can point out to you when you're saying the but, or you can slow down your speech altogether so you can notice when the but comes in, eliminating that has such a tremendously beneficial um, property on how we feel because we don't recognize it, but we're actually diminishing the own good things that we have to report by interjecting the butt and whatever comes on the other side of that. Other words to look at eliminating or reducing are things I could have done or should have done, things I need to do or I'm supposed to do. Each of these words, could have and should have, mean that something didn't happen the way we either wanted to or thought it should have in the past, and it takes us back to the past, brings us up guilt or all kinds of other things. So those words make us feel badly by invoking something that you know didn't feel right or that we believe didn't go right in the past. And then supposed to or need to do take us into the future, and they take us into the future in a way that has a little bit of a harsh reality to it. It's not that I want to do these things or choosing to do things, I have to, I'm supposed to. It almost makes us feel like we're being oppressed. How do we substitute or trade those words? We trade them for choose to or want to. I don't have to go to the supermarket. I choose to have food in my house, so I'm going to the supermarket. I don't have to go to work. I choose to go to work because I like the benefits of having my paycheck or I like the work that I do or those things. We forget that we actually are choosing these things. And when we substitute the language of need to or supposed to or have to with choose to and want to, we already make our day feel better. And all of this is about reducing the anxiety. We never think about this. We think that the outside world is doing all these things to create an anxious space around us, and we don't actually look carefully enough at the things we're doing and the steps that we can take to change that. I want to offer two other um, disciplines, and then I don't want to overwhelm. Originally, I thought I was going to introduce 10. I'm going to leave it at seven so as not to overwhelm. So the second principle that I want to introduce in the efforts here to mitigate living in a very anxious space, but really, and really choosing how we can respond to this, how we can live our lives amidst an environment around us that is carrying anxious energy. A, a sixth discipline is to create a time for intention. So one, some, one of the things that we often do is we move so quickly. We move so quickly. We rush out of the house in the morning. We rush into work. We rush to the meeting. We rush home. We rush all of those things. And when we're rushing, we're already, whatever we're entering into next, we're bringing the anxious energy with us. So if we rush out of the house into the car, we're already feeling anxious when we get into the car. When we rush out of the car and rush into work, we already bring anxious energy when we come into work. When we rush out of work to go home or to pick kids up or do whatever it is that we do, we don't really, we're not so conscious of it, yet we're bringing anxious energy with us. It's almost like we're becoming the carrier of it. Whether or not we're carrying the coronavirus, we're carrying anxiety, anxious energy with us. So let's not be carriers of that either. Let's be carriers of a different kind of energy, which means pausing for intention. So taking even 10 seconds before you leave the house and saying, wow, my intention today is when I get into the car is to be enjoy the book I'm going to listen to in my book on tape or really be 
present to just noticing that I'm safe in this moment and that I'm grateful that I have a job to go to, whatever the intention might be, pausing for intention for 10, 15, 20 seconds when we transition from one thing to the next has the, makes an enormous difference. We don't want to be carriers. We don't want to be carriers of the virus. Let's not be carriers of anxious energy either. Let's set our intention. Let's be responsible in that way and see how we can bring something different into each environment that we step into. And then lastly, I want to, I want to offer the discipline of being very vigilant curators of the environmental input that's around us. We choose how much news we listen to. We choose how many conversations we're willing to partake in that are about the virus. We choose to sit with worry and we can make other choices. So be curators of your environment. Listening to the news or being informed is important. Is it important to be informed once a day, twice a day? It may not be important to be informed for 10 hours straight a day and have a news feed on the phone or have a TV screen that is behind us going all day long or radio going. You get to be the curator of that environment. When people surrounding you are having certain conversations, again, you may be able to extract yourself from that conversation. You may be able to offer an alternative. You might be able to invite people to say, you know, maybe it would be best to start this meeting with us all thinking about something good that's going on, even amidst all of this. So we have the opportunity to be curators of our environment. We are not just victims of an environment all the time. And so invite as the seventh discipline to offer in this podcast is to be the curator of your environment, take ownership and responsibility, and be the one that helps to even offer, make offerings into the environments for others that can be calming rather than stress producing. We're living in a time right now where the stress energy can be found all around us and it can be activated very easily. And so in situations like that, it requires a tremendous amount of discipline. It requires our discipline of our own internal states, of our making conscious choices, and of our deciding how we want to navigate our space amidst all of this, how we want to live in these times. So I invite you to be curious, be courageously curious, and decide what that will be for you with intention. Consider adopting some or all, as many of these disciplines that I've outlined today as part of your own practice. Play with them. And a final note on that, these are disciplines and they take time to cultivate. So even as you might decide to take some of them on in this time, you're not going to be perfect at them. Nobody is perfect at them. And so one of the things that I just want to um, have a little warning label on is that even as you might take on or strive to take on some of these practices to make things better in your space, that you never beat yourself up for falling short. We're all going to fall short. I try very hard not to have the butt in my vocabulary, and sometimes it's just there. I'm not going to be perfect, and neither will you. So what all the good practices are that you might be taking on and all the attempts you might be taking to reduce stress and anxiety, one of those is not to beat yourself up for any places you fall short, but to forgive evil easily and to keep moving on to the next practice. 
Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you want to experience the full game-changing potential of the questions we explore, be sure to add your name to our mailing list at www.couragetobecurious.com. Our subscribers receive weekly notification of the podcast, along with specific tools for using these questions on a daily and weekly basis to create positive and powerful impact. As always, the questions we explore on the podcast can be found in our Live, Lead, and Love with the Courage to be Curious card decks that are available at liveleadlovecourageously.com. And if you're interested in harnessing the power of productive curiosity for your company or organization, contact us about scheduling a professional development experience. In the meantime, keep wondering your way to brilliance.